figuring out for each of us what our pros and cons are in a situation um, and then coming together and having a conversation. And for me, I know that sometimes my decisions can come out of fear. Um, and so I have to be careful not to uh, consider something or try and make a decision out of fear. So when I come with my ideas and you come with your ideas and we sit down and talk about it, we can point those things out to each other. Um, and then we can say, okay, Lord, this is this is what we've come together. Please show us, give us wisdom in this. Um, and if we're way off track, we need to know that. If we're going in the right direction and you have a plan here, then we want to know that as well. And so it's really, it's considering one another, but it's above that, seeking the Lord's will. Howdy, Mark and Grace Driscoll here with the uh, Real Marriage Podcast. We're looking at marriages in the book of Genesis. And uh, this is part two on Adam and Eve, of course, first married couple in the history of the world. And the question is, how can you and your spouse uh, have God over your marriage? And uh, sometimes people want God in their marriage, but they don't want God over their marriage. <laughs> like they want God to come alongside, but they don't want him to... They want to... the blessing, but they don't want him to rule over yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> they don't want to be under his authority. And so mm -hmm. what we see in uh, Genesis is the first uh, wedding. And so it's a prototype. Anytime there's a prototype, uh, then everything else gets built off of the prototype. And so this is the prototype for marriage. We see that it's one man, one woman. It's a covenant with God that is consummated sexually. And um, one way to look at the great book of Genesis is a series of case studies on family dynamics. What a lot of sociological or psychological journals will do they'll do case studies and they'll look at people and they'll extrapolate lessons, positive and negative from their life. Uh, that's kind of our approach to Genesis. These are real people in real families, but they serve as case studies for generational architecting of family. And what we learn in Genesis one is that God divinely designs and architects the world. And then in Genesis uh, two, he architects marriage. Mm hmm. And so the same God who created the world created marriage. And in the world, when we work against God's created order, we cause ourselves a lot of pains and problems. Um, and similarly, in marriage, when we operate according to God's divine design, there is blessing. When we work against it, there's a lot of pain. And so um, I'll just read it to you, Genesis 2, pretty famous. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. And so what God is saying is, um, we're better together. Mm -hmm. And anybody who looks at their spouse and says, I don't need you is calling God a liar. Right. And, uh, and so just like there is the Trinity, one God, three persons, um, marriage is a little bit like the Trinity. It's, it's the man and the woman, two persons, but they're one and they're better together. He says, I'll make a helper fit for him. And that's the same word or same concept of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. He's our helper. And so then God uh, made all the animals, brought them to Adam. Adam got to name them. And he's probably thinking, Lord, please tell me that's not her. <laughs> oh, that's an aardvark. Okay, good. <laughs> Finally, God makes the woman from the side of the man. And that's where she comes from. She's not to be ahead like feminism would teach or behind like chauvinism would teach, but alongside mm -hmm. as a friend and, and a partner. And then uh, God brings the woman to the man. And so God here in the first marriage, he's like the dad walking the daughter down the aisle mm. and he's the officiant uh, officiating the ceremony. It's kind of like when our 
oldest daughter was married, I, I kind of got to do both. I walked mm -hmm. her down the aisle and then I officiated the wedding and yeah. one of the greatest days of my whole life. And this is uh, God doing the same. And then the man uh, said, and so this is the first recorded words of any man in human history. It's like he didn't even talk until the woman <laughs> showed up. And in the Hebrew, it's a song, it's poetic. Uh, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. And so the man bursts into song. And, uh, and so this is the first wedding. It's beautiful. It's poetic. Um, you know, they didn't have to go get a tux and a dress. It was pretty <laughs> nice. simple on the attire. Um, low budget. Very, very, very low budget. <laughs> and, um, and so when it comes to Christians, we just view marriage totally different than non-Christians. Mm -hmm. Or we should. We should. <laughs> and so in, um, in most people's understanding, it's a husband and a wife. And then it becomes a power struggle to see which one is going to be over the other. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, did we have some of that early on in our marriage? You and I struggling to see which one was going to be in charge. Not really. <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is where we get real in the real marriage You mean podcast. the dating or? No, no, marriage. Early oh. on, we got married. There were things that you wanted that I didn't want. And there was things that I wanted and you didn't want. So we'd have I a don't little... know. It felt little in the beginning. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. Really? <laughs> yeah. Maybe you're overreacting. <laughs> oh, okay. So, um, but did you feel early in the marriage that, um, that I could be a little overbearing domineering? I'll ask the question a different way. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and how did that make you feel? Uh, less valued. Less valued. Because I, I'm kind of a force of personality sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, and so I miss, I think when we got married, I, I misunderstood this whole notion of headship isn't being the boss. It's not being the king. It's not being the ruler. It's taking responsibility for the well-being of the other. And so it's not about me being over you, uh, but me putting you first as a priority. It's leading lovingly. Yeah. Like Christ loves the church. Yep. And, uh, and then there were times, though, that you, um, you would get passive aggressive and you would try to reverse um, the authority structure and you would try and be the boss uh, oftentimes more cute and subversive than my <laughs> methods. How common do you think it is in a marriage where one person is trying to sort of be over the other and it leads to a lot of tension and conflict? I mean, it's part of our curse so yeah. <laughs> to rule over the man. So I think, I mean, 100% of women struggle with that from one aspect or another. Um, some it's very in your face. Some it's, like you said, passive aggressive. It's resentment in the heart and wanting to secretly do things or say things. Um, I think we try and do that in all kinds of different ways as women. And then, you know, men can respond to that either sinfully or um, in a loving, leading way. And so in the first marriage with Adam and Eve, um, God was obviously over it. Mm -hmm. He created the man, gave him instructions, directives, created the woman, 
brought the woman to the man, spoke to them both, told them kind of here's the this is what marriage is, here's my decrees and commands. Uh, the rest of scripture, God has a lot more to say. And so ultimately, the Christian view of marriage is it's not a husband and a wife and and no one else. It's the husband and the wife and the Lord. And what happens in a marriage where the Lord is not really understood as being over the couple, one of two things happen. Either there's a power struggle between the husband and the wife to see which one would be in charge. Mm-hmm. And usually the the stronger personality wins, or sometimes the most emotional, dramatic one wins, or there becomes manipulation like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I'll, I'll do this. If I get this, it right. turns into a hostage negotiation. Or if the man is passive, the woman feels like she needs to step up because someone needs to lead. We're going to see that in Genesis 3. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go really well. Yep. And or what happens is they they get to a point where they've once tried to rule over the other and it's not really working. So then their life becomes like parallel train tracks mm-hmm. and they're not one. It's like you do your thing. I do my thing. We keep our distance because every time we come together, we, we kind of have, we have a blow up, we mm-hmm. have a war, we have a conflict. And so what we see in a Christian marriage is God's over it. And as simple as this concept is, oftentimes, even when people will read a marriage book, go to a marriage conference or listen to a podcast, what they're looking for is information to give their spouse so that they can be in charge. You got to listen to this podcast. Be able to point fingers. The husband says that you got to do what the wife says. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. No, no, no. You got to listen to this podcast. Uh, they say that you got to do what the husband says. Yeah. And what difference does it make very, very practically to just come to the agreement? I'm not over you. You're not over me. He's over us both. And we both are under his authority. And he is the one who is over this marriage. Well, I think for a woman, practically knowing that God is over it is safe because even if, not even if, but when a man, a husband sins, um, if he's submitting to God and she's submitting to God, she feels like it'll get worked out and God's going to resolve this because we're both going to submit to him. And if he's you know, on the passive side, then she can appeal to the Lord to help him to lead. If he's on the domineering side, then she can appeal to the Lord that he would have a softer heart and learn that. But when God's over it, you have someone to appeal to. Mm -hmm. um, And you don't feel like it's just you and your struggle and you don't know what to say or do because it's, you know, it's just you. And Knowing that God is literally over it, we dealt with in the first episode, God's blessing. If you're not acknowledging God's authority, rule and reign over your marriage, uh, then he's not going to bless it because mm-hmm. uh, he only blesses uh, He only blesses his will, not our will. And I'll never forget some years ago, um, God spoke to me and, uh, and he said, you know, before she was your wife, she was my daughter. Mm-hmm. And it was his way of just reminding me, like, uh, I'm over you, mm-hmm. and I'm over this marriage, mm-hmm. and that is my daughter. Mm-hmm. And now that I have daughters, I I see exactly what he was talking about. <laughs> um, but what are the practical ways or just some suggestions? Theoretically, most Christian couples would say, well, we know it's not just us, that it's also the Lord. And yeah, he's over our marriage. 
But practically, what does this look like for a couple to live under God's authority over both of them in the marriage so that they're alongside one another Mm -hmm. working to obey God, but they're not trying to rule over one another as God? Mm -hmm. Well, being in the word together and separately, you have your own uh, relationship with the Lord and you have to give an account for that someday and you can't blame it on your spouse. Mm -hmm. Um, And worshiping together, same church, you know, same doing the same things to worship God Being together. Under the same teaching mm-hmm. in the same community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I mean, how would you feel as a woman if, if I wasn't in the scriptures or I wasn't in prayer or I wasn't in worship? Yeah. Like I said, it doesn't feel safe if you think the husband's not under the submission of God. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, if your spouse isn't under God's authority um, and they're not living practically under God's authority, the odds of them putting themselves in harm's way Mm -hmm. that could cause catastrophic damage to the marriage and family is exceedingly high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Spiritually and emotionally, it just doesn't feel um, like peaceful. Yeah. And how does this work out then when it comes to making big decisions? Usually a couple, when they've got to make decisions, Uh, Usually there's one person who's the dominant personality and sort of pushes for the outcome that they want. Uh, Sometimes that can lead to a lot of stalemates or a lot of conflict or one person feeling like they're sort of being drug along or pushed along and and they're not really being considered in the decision-making process. Mm -hmm. What does that look like for a husband and a wife to both say, we're going to find God's will? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about pros and cons, I think figuring out for each of us what our pros and cons are in a situation um, and then coming together and having a conversation. And for me, I know that sometimes my decisions can come out of fear. um, And so I have to be careful not to uh, consider something or try and make a decision out of fear. So when I come with my ideas and you come with your ideas and we sit down and talk about it, we can point those things out to each other. Um, and then we can say, okay, Lord, this is, this is what we've come together. Please show us, give us wisdom in this. Um, and if we're way off track, we need to know that if we're going in the right direction and you have a plan here, then we want to know that as well. And so it's really, it's considering one another, but it's above that seeking the Lord's will. And for me, I can do a lot of research and I like to strategize and I like to sequence and then I could turn into a salesman Mm -hmm. and I'm pushing you like, well, here's all the reasons I've done all the data. So there was a a season um, we talked about in the first episode, but we had a massive decision to make like one of those generational altering. Cause like, yeah, where you live, where you go to church, where you raise your kids, where they go to college, where they get married, where they raise their kids, those are, that's big. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people right now are making that big decision mm-hmm. that we made some years ago, and that is we're going to move to another state. We're going to reset our whole life. New house, new school, new family, new mm-hmm. friends, new job, new church, like complete hard reset on life. And um, if we didn't agree on that decision – we would have blown up our marriage Mm -hmm. because there were too many days that it was too stressful and there were too many unknowns and it was too, uh, it was just too overwhelming, quite frankly. And so um, maybe explain to them how 
in that moment, it, it wasn't, what do you want? What do I want? But we were both seeking the Lord asking, okay, Lord, you're over the marriage and you need to tell us together what you want us to do so that it's not one of us winning, <laughs> uh, but it's both of us worshiping by doing what it is you want us to do. And maybe just explain practically what that process looked like for us and especially for you. Yeah, I mean, you you are a researcher, so you had to do all that. And I didn't have, I had to not get annoyed by that or put off by that. I had to just let you do that because that's what you need to do to process. And so I needed to be okay with that and not feel pushed by that. And But when you did push too far and kept giving Selling. information like a salesman, it was like, okay, I need you to step back. I've got the information I need. I don't need as much as you, but I, I've got the amount of information I need. I need to hear from the Lord. I need to hear not separately as far as um, us making separate decisions, but I need to hear what the Lord is asking because I knew, again, with me, there were fears involved. I'd never lived anywhere else. I'd never, you know, had friends in other states that I had to make. There's there's so many variables. I've ha not had to choose school in a community where I knew nothing about the community. Um, I've not had to, you know, up and pack up everything and move it to a whole nother state. You lived was, in the same house your whole life. I, yeah, I did. And so for me, it was major. And there were a lot of fears like, what if this? What if that? Oh my gosh, I can't handle this or that. And so the Lord had to work in me to be able to even help me hear <laughs> his voice because the fear can cl cloud um, and crowd out his voice. And so um, I needed that space. Just I had the information that you had gathered and I needed to hear from the Lord. And first I needed to hear that, yes, we were moving. <laughs> and then from there, then I wanted to hear, okay, Lord, what does that look like? What's my part in this? What location? What are the variables? And then we start to put started to put a list together of kind of the variables we were looking for that we knew the Lord had for us. And part of that was getting into a, a place that was that had more sun because you have seasonal affective disorder and that affects your whole yeah, outlook. And my so health, my well being. And yeah. I was fine with that because I love the sun as well. So there's things that came up like that 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 it was great. We knew the Lord was directing us in certain ways. Um, but we really had to just walk through each of the my fears and your concerns and all your research. And we just took it bit by bit. And then once God started to join us in that decision-making process, and we, then we could walk it together. But we were very much coming at it from different angles. And the Lord needed to to get us to a place where we could journey that together. Well, back to Adam and Eve, God says it's not good to be alone mm -hmm. and that your spouse is a helper. Yes. Meaning you know, you're probably not going to make the right decision on your own and your spouse is different than you because they help bring insight That's and right. wisdom and gifts that are different. And I, I'll never forget. So maybe be honest with the listeners. Where, where did I want to go? My will was California, California. Uh, your will was not California. <laughs> stay, stay in Washington. So, so you were like, I want to stay in Washington. I was like, I want to go to California. Mm -hmm. It's sunny and I can go to LA and mm -hmm. da, 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 da. And, and your thoughts on California were, it's a celebrated culture, and I didn't want to raise kids <laughs> yeah, in you're that. Like, yeah, like, I'm not moving there. I was like, okay. So you and I could have had just, uh, you know, almost like an arm wrestling match. You're like, mm -hmm. I'm staying in Washington. Like, I want to move to California. It could have blown up our whole oh, absolutely marriage because if we we could have said, hey, fine, I'll stay in California, and you move to California. <laughs> you moved. I'll stay in Washington. Yeah, yeah. And you moved to California. And then I'll never forget. There was one day you were like, I've heard from you. 
I need to hear from the Lord. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. need you to bring up your research. I appreciate the research, but I need to hear from the Lord. You need now. to hear from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it took months. Mm-hmm. It took two months. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a long time for That's you. That's a long time for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then the Lord spoke to both of us and called us to Arizona. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't what you wanted originally. And that wasn't what I wanted. Mm-hmm. But we both heard from the Lord. He was over the marriage. And I was like, Lord, tell her we get to go to California. You know, and he's like, son, no. And uh, Well, and I'm not usually as adamant as I was about not moving to California, but I was very, I knew that that's not where the Lord wanted us. I just knew it in my well, soul. In, in retrospect. It was such a protection <laughs> of us. <laughs> we, we. We've been totally richly blessed. Yes. We're in the place that God wants us. I'm a hundred percent convinced of yes. that. He's confirmed it in many ways, innumerable ways, and blessed us richly, like we talked about in the first episode. But again, God made marriage, and He didn't make the husband or the wife to be the highest authority. He is the highest authority, mm-hmm. and He made the husband and the wife to be under His authority and to seek His will. And it's not good to be independent, alone. You you help each other. You're better together. I don't think that um, you and I would have come up with Arizona. Mm -mm. I I didn't didn't know anything about it, really, until you you did your research. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the house per square foot price, and here's the traffic patterns, and they have a good airport, and here's the the colleges and and schools, and here's the distance to the mountains, and it's cooler in the summer, and here's the cost of living, and you're like, I don't care. And so we're better together. But we absolutely landed on the will of God and the place that he wanted us to be and our children and, you know, Lord willing, someday soon, whenever the Lord wills, grandchildren to be. Mm-hmm. And it all comes out of the simple principle that starts with Adam and Eve, and that is God is over the marriage. Yeah. And God knows what's best for you. And God knows what the future holds. Because all my research, seven years, eight years later, however many years it's been, all the data's changed. Oh, yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, you know, the whole world has changed and God knew what was coming and I didn't. So I'm making all my research and data analysis based upon known facts and God sees a future that I don't know. And so our our encouragement and our exhortation to you as a married couple would be this. Uh, Oftentimes people weaponize God. And what religious people love to do in their marriage, they love to go to the Bible, find verses that allow them to rule over their spouse and sort of get their way. And if you are one of those people, you're you're misusing God's word. God's word is not for you to control or rule over your spouse. It's to help you and your spouse find God's will and live under his rule. And this is where sometimes religious people will weaponize the Bible and use it in a, in a way that God never intended and won't bless. And so our question to you would be, and this would be a good conversation for you and your spouse, are you both functionally, practically, actually, from the heart, living under God's rule, seeking God's will, or are you trying to be the one who is over your spouse and get your way, even using God talking scripture as part of your arsenary, uh, your arsenal and your weaponry? Um, and I just want to thank you, honey. I mean, you heard from the Lord. 
And he said no to California. And I'll just be honest, not being in California, (laughs) trying to preach through books of the Bible during COVID and social justice riots Mm -hmm. worked out pretty good. Yes. Amen. You want to pray for them as they have a discussion about Mm -hmm. how they can live under God's rule practically in their marriage? Yeah. Dear Lord, thank you that you've already told us what the curse is so we can live knowing that that's going to be a tendency. Um, Lord, the man is going to want to be passive and the woman's going to want to rule over. And we don't want that for these marriages. We want your way because we know there's blessing that comes with that. We know that there's a deepening of our love for each other that comes from that. And there's wisdom that comes from that. So Lord, just direct us. Um, as women, how to be better helpers and direct the men how to be loving leaders. And Lord, thank you that you created us and you know what's best and that we would trust that and put you as the head of our marriage in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.